So the question I want to ask you is this. What is real faith? What is real faith? We often think of faith, and we often think that the biggest problem we have with our faith is we don't have enough of it. (laughs) Right? Don't we often think, ah, if I had more faith. My problem is I don't have enough. I need more faith. That's what I need, right? But as we're going to see, the real challenge isn't that we need more faith. It's that we need obedient faith. We need obedient faith. You may say, well, what's obedient faith? Well, that's actually what we're going to look at uh, this weekend, obedient faith. So we're in Genesis chapter 22. We're going to finish this uh, series on Abraham, and then we're going to do a topical one. I'll tell you where we're going to go with that topical study uh, a little bit later. But right now, I want you to, if you have a Bible, like this chair Bible, on page 17, you'll find Genesis chapter 22. And I know I was there last weekend. I get it. I know I'm doing the same passage again. There's so much in this passage, and I just kind of felt like I ran through it last weekend. So I want to spend a little bit of time and go through it a little bit more carefully uh, this weekend. Uh, Look at uh, verse 1 of chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, for a burnt offering, and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we, notice he doesn't say I, he says we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. As they both walked together, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up a knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. So what we want to do is we want to examine the kind of faith that changes everything. That's really what we want to look at. What is it the kind of faith that changes everything? And we want to say five things about this kind of faith that changes everything. So my point is this. 
It's not how much faith you have. It's how obedient your faith is. And we'll look at what we mean by that. The first thing we want to say is this. The true measure of real faith is an obedient life. The measure of true faith is obedience. Look at what it says in Hebrews. This is Hebrews chapter uh, 11, starting at verse 17. This is on page 927 in the chair Bible. And this is a kind of a summary of the heroes of faith, Hebrews 11 is. And, and it says this about Abraham. It says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from, uh, from the dead. So the writer of Hebrews is essentially saying that Abraham, they're, they're thinking, and in his mind he's thinking, if I kill my son, God is going to raise him because he's the son of the promise. So he has a faith here that even, even death will not, God's promise is even stronger than the death of my son. Now, did Abraham have a belief in God? Yes, absolutely. But in this passage, we see he had not just a faith that God existed. He had an active faith, an obedient faith. It was more than merely intellectual acceptance of a truth. He acted on the truth. Now, most people today say, if you were to say, do you believe in God? They say, yeah, I believe in God. But it's one thing to say, I have an intellectual act. I believe that God exists. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to obey. Real faith acts. And if you have an inactive faith, then that is your greatest challenge. That's our greatest challenge. Now, we often think that if we merely believe something in general, like we believe Jesus, that's, and like we say, well, I believe in Jesus. We think, well, that's life-saving faith. Well, that's not life-saving faith. That's just, I mean, the Bible says in James, even the devils believe that. But they're, they're not going to heaven, right? Uh, let me give you another example. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I, I, I could ask you to raise your hands as the first question, but I wouldn't want to ask it for the second one because I don't want to embarrass you. Most of us would believe exercise uh, is a good thing. Most of us would, would, I think, would say, yeah, exercise is a good thing. So I say, okay, you believe that exercise is a good thing. How many of you actively exercise? Right? Now, here we go, right? Here we go, right? We say, I believe that, but how many of us actually do it, right? And that's what we're talking about. Faith is, or, or a belief in something means that I actually it transforms, it changes my behavior. My behavior is affected because I believe something. It's one thing to say I believe in God. It's another thing to say I'm obedient to Him. It's one thing to say I believe in exercise. It's another thing to say I'm out there three days a week getting some exercise, right? Notice what John says. This is John 1.12. This is on page 809. I think the whole verse will be up on the screen. He says this, But to all who believed in Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become the children of God. So it's more than just believing. It's accepting Christ. It's, it's following Christ. Jesus said, follow me. And remember, at one point He said to follow. And one, one person says, well, I have to go do this. I have to go do this. I have to. And He says, let the dead bury the dead. You know, I have a land. Well, don't worry about that. And essentially Jesus is saying, it's put your money where your mouth is. Belief acts. 
Now, some people think, well, all you need to do is believe, right? But what does it mean to believe? 1 John chapter 2 tells us that. Notice, this is on page 941. I'm just trying to give you some verses so you can see. What does active, obedient faith look like? My whole premise this weekend is very simple. It's not, you're not going to go, well, that was, that was profound. No, it's not profound. It's very simple. It's very easy to understand. A child could understand it. And it essentially comes down to this. Our biggest problem is that we need more faith. It, it is that we need obedient faith. Because faith that's not obedient, notice what James, uh, John says. He says, uh, this is First John. He says, we can be sure that we know him, what, if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar. Or as some people would say, a liar. <laughs> and is not living the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living him. So John basically says this. He says, if you say that you love God and you don't obey him, Maybe we could say you're deceiving yourself, but you're not living in the truth. Now, we're not talking about perfection. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying you have to live a perfect life. You have to, that's not the point. That's not what he's saying. What we're saying is that real faith is followed by obedience. Jesus said at one point, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I've commanded you? If I'm your Lord and I commanded you and you're not doing it, I kind of wonder if you really think I'm your Lord, right? James is that book that really delves into this. This is on page 931. This is James chapter 2, verse 21. He says this, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the Scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And what he's saying there is his faith was active. It wasn't this, this blind, this, 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 this mental ascent. It was an active faith. And he says he was even called a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. And people say, well, there's a conflict between James and Paul. There's no conflict. All, all James is saying is, if you don't have a faith that's active, then you don't have faith. That's what he's saying. And, and he goes on and he talks about, he says, well, if, if your definition of faith is no action or no uh, allegiance to Jesus Christ, then the devils must be, uh, you know, believe, believe in God. And, but that's not faith. James goes on to say, and he uses that famous phrase, that faith without works is dead. Now, he's not saying that we believe in God and we do our part, and between us believing and us doing our part, we get to heaven. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what James is talking about. James is simply saying this. He's saying that if our faith isn't followed by action, then we have to question whether we really have faith at all. Okay? So Abraham had an active faith. That's the point I want you to see. Now, my next points will be much shorter than this. Uh, but the second point is this. We don't need a lot of faith. We need a lot of obedience. Okay? It's not about having a lot of faith. 
It's having a lot of obedience. That's what it comes down to. In Luke 17, it's very interesting because the apostles, Jesus tells his apostles, he says, you know what? If, if, if your brother or sister comes to you and they offend you, and they do it seven times in the same day, you must forgive them. You say, well, maybe once or twice or three times, and then it gets like, okay, forget it, time out, right? No, he says seven times. And his point is this. So the, the, the apostles, they, they hear him say this, and they say, wait a minute, seven times a day I've got to forgive this same person? because And, and don't take it literally because Jesus is using overstatement. But he says this. It's very interesting. In page 799 in Luke chapter 17, he says this. The apostles said to the Lord, uh, show us how to increase our faith. This is right after he says they need to forgive, okay? And the Lord answered, if you have the faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey. So, you go, okay, what's going on here? All right. It seems like Jesus just like, you know, did a 90, just like swerved off the road. No, he didn't. He didn't. That's not what's going on here. So, so what are the apostles saying? The apostles are saying, what you just told us about forgiving seems impossible. It seems too hard. It seems like we need to have more faith to do that. It seems like we're lacking something. And you know what Jesus says? He says, he talks about the, the mustard seed. And in that day, in that time, it, with the bi- biology that they had, that was the smallest seed that they were aware of. And he basically says, this small seed, if you had the faith, this small seed, you could say that mulberry tree, take yourself, rip yourself out of the ground and throw yourself in the ocean. His point, and he's using overstatement here, okay? We do it all the time, but sometimes, somehow or another, because Jesus does it, we feel like we have to take it literally, right? Like we say, I'm hungry as a horse. And you go, okay, what that's, you know, okay. But the point is, he, he's, what he's saying here is this. He says, you don't need a lot of faith. You just need to forgive. They're saying, well, we must need this or we must need... He says, you know, it's, you've heard the old Nike, the old Nike logo or the statement they used to have. Just do it. Just forgive. You don't need, to, you don't need a lot. You just need a little bit. You, just, you don't need any more faith than you have right now to forgive. You just need to do it. It's not easy, but you can do it. The apostles are saying, and, and as we often think, we need more faith. And Jesus says, no, you just don't, you need, you don't need more faith, you need more obedience. When I tell you to forgive, just do it. Just forgive. And, and what do we do when, when someone says something or does something? We want to get into an argument with God about it, right? Well, God, do you, did you hear what they said? Did you see what they did? And it's like, okay, we can go down that road. Jesus says, just forgive. Now, we will have struggles with doubts and fear, uh, but in those times, just do, Jesus is basically, just do what I told you to do. Just be obedient. Just trust me. Do you do that with your kids sometimes? When you tell them to do something and you know it's going to be a little uh, different or a little bit of a challenge for them, but you know they can do it and you know you'll be with them. And sometimes you might even catch yourself saying, just trust me. It'll be okay. Just trust me. Just do this. 
I can't explain it to you right now. I can't give you all the details. Just do what I'm asking you to do. And sometimes Jesus will bring you to a place in your life where you're going through a dark time, going through a difficult time, and he says, will you just trust me? I mean, when you think about Abraham, Abraham, offer your son, the son of the promise. And, and, and what does Abraham do? No arguing, no debate. He just follows. He just says, I don't understand it, but I'll just trust you. I'll just be obedient. I'll just be obedient. Here's the point. It's one thing to believe in God. It's another thing to believe God. Get the difference? There's a lot of people, you could say, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. But do you believe Him? Do you trust Him? Do you follow Him? That's the difference. It's not a matter of having more faith. It's a matter of being obedient to what we already know. You know, I think it was Charles Swindoll, and I think he's right. Uh, he said one time, a number of years ago, he says, our problem isn't that, our biggest problem isn't that we need to know more about the Bible. We need to obey what we already know. <laughs> That's our biggest problem. Third thing is, biblical faith is not going out on a limb. It's trusting Him. Okay? Because there are Christians out there, they drive me bananas because they're like, I'm going to do something super crazy for God and go, no, don't do it. That's not a good idea. Some people equate spiritual maturity or big faith with taking big risks. They often, they often, they often get them play, get themselves in a place where they say, I'm going to put myself in this very precarious position and then I'm going to just pray for God to rescue me. And it shows that I have trust and real faith in God and God's going to come and rescue me. And I would say that's not big faith, that's foolishness. Look at the writer of Proverbs. This is on page 494, Proverbs 19.3. It says, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry with the Lord. Have you met people like that? Maybe you're one of them. That you just said, God, I, I, I know that I'm not sure that you want me to do this. I'm kind of going out and off the limb. You haven't really given me any direction to do it. It's a risk. I'm going to go ahead and take this risk. But I'm, I'm believing that you're going to help me and you're going to do this, even though in, in a sense I feel like it's not a really smart or wise move. And then it doesn't work. And then what do you do? You get angry with God. And you blame God. It's all your fault. Why do I even believe in you in the first place? People often take risks and when they fail, what do they do? They blame God. Now, in, in the biblical accounts that we look at, offering a son, building a boat. Remember, we talked about building a boat. Walking on water in the New Testament, right? There was clear direction from God, right? Abraham, take your son. Noah, build this boat. Peter, Come out on the water, right? It's clear direction. There's no debate about this. It's obedience. It's all about obedience. God's commands were crystal clear. There's nothing unclear about Abraham's command. Okay? So, that's, the first, that, that, that's point three. Point four is this. If you think God wants you to do something risky, make sure it's God. <laughs> Now, how do you do that? You say, well, how do I know? I'm hearing voices all the time. Well, if you're hearing voices all the time, you may want to go to see a psychiatrist or a counselor. But that being the case, uh, how, how do you? How do you know 
if God wants Because some of you and you're sensitive people, and I understand it, you want to be sensitive to the Spirit of God's leading. I get all that. But you get to the point where you go, how do I know if this is God or if this is just crazy, right? There's three good tools that we have, and I don't have these in your notes. I don't have anything in your notes, by the way. Did you notice that? I just give you a title and a passage, and then you have to... T- so I love saying that every weekend that you... But here, here are three, tool, three tools, three fingers, three tools. Uh, three tools that God has given you to help you in those times where you say, I don't know if this is what God wants me to do or not. Number one, check with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, the Holy, and this is John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit will teach you and will remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus is basically saying is I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you and he will assist you and guide you so that you'll make good decisions. If you're filled with the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to control you, the Holy Spirit can guide you, okay? Here's the second, the second tool that God has given us, and it's the Bible. You know, there are people, and I talk with them all the time, who basically say, I think God's asking me to do this. And I'll say, no, he's not. And they go, why? I said, because the Bible tells me here that he doesn't want you to do this. This is sin. This is wrong. This is not what God wants you to do. It's pretty clear. I know you think that's God, but it's not God. Okay, this is not. And so the Bible, notice what the Bible, Paul says about the Bible. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do, what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. In other words, what Paul is saying is the Bible is a great guide. And and let me just throw this in there. The Holy Spirit and the Bible are never in conflict with one another. And I'm kind of tired of hearing uh, a group within the Christian community that basically says, I'm just going to listen to the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit is telling them to do something that's against the Bible. That's not the Holy Spirit, okay? Our final authority is the Bible, and the Holy Spirit takes the Bible and it helps us apply it to our lives. And when the Bible and the Holy Spirit come in conflict, it ain't the Holy Spirit you're hearing. Okay, some spirit, I don't know what one, but it isn't. It's, the Bible and the Holy Spirit will not contradict one another, okay? Here's the third thing. Um... Oh, so so we come to the place that you say, well, Pastor Matt, um, I've been trying to listen to the Holy Spirit, and I've looked into the Bible, but the Bible doesn't give an answer to every scenario. And you're right, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't have answers for a lot of things. So what do I do when I get to, you know, I, the Spirit is kind of leading me, and the, the Word of God is kind of don't really know what, you know, it's giving me direction. I have freedom here. And, and I want to tell you that God has given us one other tool, and that is people. Wise people. Godly people. Notice what Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. So, let the wise and godly people guide you at those times. And I'm not the, your buddy in the bar. Okay? 
The, the last thing you probably need to listen to for marriage counseling or marriage advice is your buddy in the bar who's had a few too many and says, let me tell you about women. I know about women. I've been married five times. That's probably not good advice. Okay? All right? That's not good advice. That's not godly advice. Get godly advice. Somebody who has a marriage that's working. Somebody who is wise. Somebody who knows the Word of God. Somebody who seems like they're walking in obedience with God. And ask them for advice, and they probably will give you advice. So God has given us His Spirit, His Word, and His godly community, the church, to guide us. Okay? Here's the last point. Exercising faith doesn't mean my problems will be fixed or my path will be smooth. All right? Let's just stop with this idea that if we do everything right, that our lives will go right. We, that God has never promised that. He, Jesus, in fact, said, in the world you will have what? Tribulation. Problems, challenges, rough roads, right? Faith will often take you down a difficult path, but in the end, you'll arrive at the right place. I mean, think of Jesus. He came from heaven to earth, and he had a rough road. Would you say he had a rough road? He was born, and people mocked his birth, mocked his mother, even his own own family. His brothers and sisters kind of thought he was out of his mind at one point, right? At his greatest moment, his greatest time of need, in the garden and on the cross, the people who should have been with him fled. He, had a, he was maligned by the religious elite of his day. So here's a man who's walking with his father, who's living the godly life, and he did not have a smooth path. And so if you're following Jesus, you're on that same path. Right? And it's a rocky path and there's a rough path. But here's the point. Uh, if you exercise obedient faith, it doesn't mean that God says, okay, your path is going to be smooth and your life is going to be a breeze. What it does mean, though, is that you will arrive at the right destination. And one day God may say to you, well done, good and faithful, good and obedient servant, right? So I want to leave you with one of the best summary statements of faith in all the Bible, and I'd encourage you, if you have nothing better to do this weekend, and frankly you don't better than this, is to memorize this passage of Scripture from Proverbs. And it says, and some of you already have, trust in the Lord with all your heart, And do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. What the writer of Proverbs is saying is, obediently follow Jesus. And as you do that, it's not a matter of how much faith you have. It's how obedient your faith is. And faith has to be active faith. Faith without works is dead. So may God help us to be people of faith. Our faith will be growing little by little, but may our obedience, may our faith be characterized by obedience. Because if we do that, we'll be on the right track. Would you stand with me? Let's pray.
so, our Father, we thank you for this word from uh, Genesis 22. Thank you for the example of Abraham, a man of faith who walked with you. Who was a, and, and your word tells us, can two walk together, Abraham and you, unless they be agreed? Certainly, Abraham had many choices when he was told to go and offer his son. He could have run, he could have disobeyed, but he obeyed. And we're going to have challenges this week, Father, whether we're going to choose to obey you or not. We could pray, increase our faith. Maybe we should pray, Father, help us to be obedient. Help our faith to be obedient this week. We know, Father, the path this week. We don't know what it holds, but we know that you hold it, and that's encouraging to us. So as we walk with you and follow you and walk beside you, we know that you will be there with us this week as we exercise obedient faith, as you lay out the challenges and we trust you. May we trust you more and more each day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.